Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event. Are you ready? Let's get ready to ramp up your sales. And now the man you've been waiting for. He is the real thriller in Manila. The undisputed, undefeated, reigning, defending, pound for pound, heavyweight, John, the sales machine, Rankins! Ladies and gentlemen, today we have the real deal. Melinda Emerson. The small business lady is America's number one small business expert. And when I say real deal, I mean it. She's been running a business for over 25 years as the CEO of Quintessence Group. She is the advisor to Fortune 500 companies all over the world that actually educates them on how they can help small businesses. And on the flip side of the coin, she actually has a training center and her own company that's a school for small businesses. She has been educating and empowering small businesses for more than 25 years. Two of her companies have already become very successful. And not only that, she wrote a best-selling book that's published by Simon & Schuster. The book is called How to Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months or Less. So, and when I say she's the real deal, the reason why I mean that is not only does she run two businesses, she's also an adjunct professor at Drexel University. And before we actually got on this, she was talking about, you know, she's called the doctor for small businesses, even though she only has an MBA. And I found that that was really, really funny because myself, I haven't even went to college and uh, I used to always say that I had a PhD in the early days and potentially a lot of you guys can relate that PhD was considered poor, hungry, and determined. And I only graduated when I understood that you can't have that mindset. You cannot have that mindset. You've got to have, you can have a PhD, which is passionate, hungry, and determined. But the truth is you've got to get the knowledge from the people who have it and utilize it. And that's exactly what Melinda does, and she's helped tens of thousands of businesses all over the world. She's also trained in Singapore and China to help small businesses scale. And so let's welcome her to the podcast. Oh, and I want to throw in there, she works with Inc. Magazine, Entrepreneur Magazine, and she's did over 5,000 5, articles and blogs for small businesses. Let's welcome her to the podcast. Welcome, Melinda. Thanks so much for having me, John. Well, it's an honor, especially we really want to help businesses around the world. There's a lot of problems. There's a lot of problems, a lot of problems. But the truth is, the bigger problem you can solve, the more money you can make. So (laughs) person that solves the most problems gets to charge the most, too. That's right. And so, you know, that's why Bill Gates and uh, Steve Jobs and Jeff Bezos, they get the biggest paychecks because uh, they've solved the biggest problems. So problems aren't something we should run from. They're something we should run to because we can monetize those things. And Melinda, you've done that on both sides of the aisle. So tell us a little bit about Quintessence Group and how you help Fortune 500 companies actually talk to small business owners and generate business that way. 
when I first started my company, gosh, almost 25 years ago, I started out as a video production company. Then we morphed into a web development company because everyone was putting our videos on the websites. We were like, maybe we need to start building websites too. And then in 2007, I read a trade journal that said social media was going to be the next big thing to revolutionize business. And that, you know, if you were anybody that you needed to figure this out. And so we decided to stop doing videos, stop doing websites and push all our chips in the middle on social media and learning social media and becoming black belts in social media. And how we did that was by building the small business lady brand, which is my nickname, which is what I'm known by. And it took us about two years, but we literally became black belts in social media, particularly content development, Twitter, you know, using short form social media content really became our niche. And then all these corporations started calling me saying, hey, you've done such an amazing job building your brand online. We see you. Could you come in and help us? Could you, you know, help our social media team learn how to do what you did? And then it just like from there took off. But what we realized was, is that we had a real niche in corporations that targeted small business customers. That's how I got on their radar because I was a small business lady. And they were like, who is this chick, this small business lady? You know, and I was just for a year, year and a half, just giving away content, just answering people's questions, sharing something personal about myself every day. Like at that time, my son was a baby. So I would share something like, you know, had like had to act like an ape to get Jojo to eat a banana this morning, you know, like something like that, you know, just things I could do to help people get to know me. And all of that was because my book, Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months, got shelved when the market crashed in 08. And my publisher was like, yeah, let's wait for a more favorable book environment 18 months from now. You know, so I got on Twitter to build my brand because we were trying to to make sure people knew me before my book came out. And so then by the time my book came out, I had, I think at that time, 10,000 followers on Twitter, which back then was a lot because there was no Twitter adder or like all these things people do now to like fluff up their numbers. Like I actually added all my followers, like one follower at a time. And so- when my book came out, it did well. People went and bought it because people were intrigued. They were like, who is this person that's been out here for a year and a half helping everybody? Let's go, you know, let's go support her now. And it took time. It wasn't, it, it wasn't like a New York Times bestseller the first two weeks it was out. It took about seven, eight months, you know, and it was almost like January of the next year was when it really popped, you know, in 2011. But it was such an amazing experience to build my own brand and then have corporations call me and be like, Hey, we need your help. Can you come help us? Or can you design a content strategy or a customer retention strategy for us? And it just, from there, I mean, you know, they started calling and we sort of like reinvented our business over those two years and weathered the great recession and all that stuff. And by 2010, corporations started calling us and even today 90% of our business in that area is inbound like we do not call customers they call us so it's been amazing and I've worked with now 150 fortune 500 brands and probably 100 fortune 100 brands like we've worked with everybody Amex Google Amazon FedEx Amex name somebody you know we've worked with them all and so it's just been an incredible blessing but one of the reasons why these corporations call on me is because I have a trust relationship with their target customer. And as the small biz lady, we put out tons of content on my blog, Succeed as Your Own Boss. I host 
a live podcast once a week, the Small Biz Chat Podcast. I put out a Small Biz Lady Buzz newsletter every Wednesday. So we put out content four or five days a week. We have always really focused on helping educating small business owners. And our mission is to end small business failure. And so that's every content, uh, every piece of content, every ebook, every interview I even do is all about dropping some nugget that some small business owner out here has no idea that could be coming for their neck tomorrow. You know, like really trying to help people get in front of things so that their business allows them to live their dream life and so that they don't basically trade a soul sapping job for a business that feels like a noose around their neck. Like that's not what we want for people. We want people's businesses to allow them to live. And that's really what I'm excited about. Amen. And you know, I love how you did it. And that's why when I, I started this whole thing out, I said, you're the real deal because, you know, like adding 10,000 followers on Twitter, that's, that's a lot of work, right? It, it is in the second year Twitter exists. <laughs> I mean, now I have like 300,000, but back then it was like, man, one follower at a time. You know? Yeah. And, and I love that because you did the work, right? A lot of people want to buy followers or want to find a hack and it just really doesn't work. And we're, I want you to speak to that because essentially you're the driving force, like amazing. Like you have two companies that are doing it. Uh, you are a best-selling author. And what edition is it in right now? You said my book, become your own boss in 12 months. It's in its third edition. It's been in print for 13 years coming up on 14 this yeah, year. So this is the real deal. And a lot of people just don't want to do the work, right? And if you're not willing to put yourself out there, if you use, there, there's two types of companies, the quick and the dead. And if you're not willing to get, get on a podcast, start a podcast, you put out 5,000 articles, right? You, you write for Inc. Magazine, Entrepreneur Magazine, like you're adjunct professor at Drexel University, like you're doing so much. So there's a, there's a big difference though about being busy, right? And creating results. And you are quite clearly creating the results. So can you speak to that and how you manage your time and get things done? Well, one of the things I can tell you is that I always hold my mornings for me, my projects, my agenda, what I'm working on. So I don't even start my business day in terms of like interacting with other people until about 11 a.m. And so I get up usually about six, seven, you know, and by eight, I'm rolling on whatever it is I want to do. I don't start my day looking at email. I don't start my day listening to voicemail. I start my day on my top five projects and I laid them out the day before. When I do schedule calls with people, almost always it is a 30 minute call, especially if I don't know you. If there's a business reason for us to have a longer call than that, okay. But I feel like this, if you can't tell me what you need from me in 30 minutes, you don't need to be on the phone with me. You need to think about it some more and then we'll reschedule. So I'm very judicious with my time. I also leave one day a week just for content. I'm either recording content, editing content, you know, working on the next, overseeing the next batch of newsletters, whatever. But I set aside one day a week to build educational content, to build slide decks for my next class or whatever. But I leave one day a week just for that. And so I primarily deal with people like Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, and then sort of like my Mondays and Fridays or my bookends for my stuff I'm doing, you know, my projects, my content days. And that's pretty much how I do it. Okay, good. And, you know, in speaking to all of this work that you did 
to get your initial Fortune 500, and now obviously you've worked with several. What do you think your biggest break was, and what did it take to get the first Fortune 500 company? Oh, so I this is a, actually no one has asked me this question. So I I will tell you the first corporation that ever hired me was Pitney Bowes, and they called me because they were fans of mine on Twitter, and literally they called me and they were like, "What would it take for you to work with?" Like they, it wasn't about, oh, our budget is, it was like, we want to work with you so badly. What, what would it take? We want to put you on a monthly retainer. What would it take to work with you? Because we think you're amazing and we think you can help us really be effective online with social media. Like we've been spending a bunch of money. It's not working. We think we need you. Okay. And that was how I got my very first corporate contract doing social media marketing, consulting, which... You know, I love your professionalism, but I also loved the joyfulness that you have. Right. And so at that moment, and if you put yourself back in time at that moment, how are you feeling when you took that call? Let me tell you something. I was lower than a snail's belly when I took that call. My husband and I had broken up. He had just left like a month earlier. I had a four year old son. And it's still in the pivot. Like we were still trying to transition from websites and, and, you know, video to social media as a revenue stream. Like I knew it was going to make money, but I knew I had to put in the time to build the brand so that it could make money. And my husband at the time, he is not my husband now, but he was like, this is stupid. Why are you on Twitter? Are you trying to get love from these people on Twitter? What are you doing? Like he didn't get it. He didn't see it. No. I told him that I thought I had a million dollar idea, that I thought I could become America's number one small business expert. And he was like, why wouldn't anybody listen to you? I mean, like, like literally that was what he said to me. And I was just like, I got to get away from this guy. He doesn't believe in me. Like he doesn't get it. And, you know, we got this little boy and that was really sad and it was really hard. And he left like a month before this, he had left. And I was like, okay, I got to finish fixing this business, raise this kid. And now I'm living in a city, you know, where I have no family by myself and I got to figure everything out. Well, good on you. And then Penny Bowes called me and we're like, we have to have you. We need, you have to work with us. We think you're amazing. You're, it was like an answered prayer. Yeah, it was. And the blessing is, is that ever since they called me, all the other calls have come. From Verizon, from FedEx, from MetLife, from Amex, from, I mean, but sometimes you allow other people's opinion to become more important than your own, you know, then you're stuck. But I'm just so grateful to God that he sent me, a, he sent me a rope to pull me up. You know what I mean? He, he sent me a boat. He sent me a helicopter. He sent me everything. He was like, look, I'm going to save you. It's funny. I, I, uh, I love to create accountability with everybody I work with. Right. And I, I'm all about empowering people. Right. So I always say, here's a rope. Now you decide what you want to do with it. Right. You can pull yourself up or you can hang yourself. It's up to you. Right. But uh, you seen the movie Jerry Maguire, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Come on. Remember when Cuba Gooding Jr. said, uh, you know, this is all about family right now. Right. And Jerry, you need to show me the money. That's it. Right. That's it. That's so did you like. have a, a show me the money moment when you were on that call where you danced in around and like, I got this. I finally got this. 
You know what? It wasn't even a show me the money moment as much as it was just, I mean, I just sat there and cried. Like it was such a blessing. Yeah. It was an answered prayer. It was like, Lord, you sent me down this path. I'm all the way down here now. <laughs> we got to make this thing work, man, because this this is rough. This man doesn't believe in me. He done left. I got this little boy. I, I was like, I was like, help Jesus. But you know, that was 14 years ago. I mean, yeah. that, was like, that was like forever ago now. And look at you now. Now, like, you know, we drink champagne when we thirsty. Now, you know what I mean? But it was rough. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people throw in the towel. Well, I can see why. Because it was hard. It was hard to work for two years, tweeting, blogging, answering people's small business questions, and it not make a dime. I mean, and it was just brand awareness, right? I mean, it was it was hard. And people thought I was crazy, including my ex-husband. I mean, people were like, what are you doing? What is this Twitter thing? You know, people didn't. Because remember, Twitter was one years old in 2008. It wasn't like everybody was like, friend me, follow me like they are right now. I mean, get in your time machine and go back with me 15, 16 years. Wi-Fi was barely in people's houses. Wi-Fi didn't get to people's houses till 2007. That's what I want to make you understand. So Wi-Fi gets to people's houses, this social media stuff. Facebook didn't allow adults on Facebook till 2007. Remember, it was just for college kids? Like, yeah, I, mean, I do remember it. So all of this stuff, and I was early to figure it out. And I was like, you know, I can do this. I can do this, but I have to stay the course. And that's what, and that's what I did. And it, and it paid off. And I mean, and now I'm like, I am America's number one small business expert. You are. And you know what? Uh, let's speak to that because I got uh, several questions lined up. One is you were early and earlier adopter and you know, there's all kinds of new platforms and stuff coming out. So what are the platforms that you think like even TikTok now, but it's not new, but it's one of the newest. What do you see happening with TikTok and or the social media realm moving forward that people should be already doing? Well, everybody better be doing video. I mean, it's like video converts better than any other kind of marketing you could possibly do. So whether you're doing shorts, you're doing longs, you're doing webinars, you're doing video podcasts, whatever it is, you better be doing it on video because people are just, people just aren't willing to read stuff. You know, it, it, I mean, Audible's huge because people don't even want to read a book. They want to listen to it. You know, so I think as you think about your content, the first thing you have to think about is your customer. How does your customer like to consume content? Does your customer like to read, like to watch, or like to listen, Right. I believe that not only should you have a video strategy, you should have a multi-use of content strategy because the same people that watch your podcast are not the same people that are going to listen to it or not the same people that might be willing to read a blog post about it. You know, so you should be flipping your content two or three times easily because you're going to hit more people by doing that. I also think when it comes to platforms, nobody needs to be on seven platforms. Most people need to be on one or two. And they need to be the one or two where their best target customer spends time online. I was on Twitter solidly for two years before we went to any other platform. I didn't leave Twitter until I owned Twitter. And then I moved to LinkedIn and then we moved to Facebook. And to this day, those are still the three top referring sites to my website. Now, do I have a verified account on Instagram? Yes, I do. Do I put out stuff on Instagram? Yeah, I do. Do I have a YouTube? Yeah. 
But when I look at my Google Analytics, it's still Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn that drive the most traffic to my site. So where do you think we spend the most of our time? Exactly. Right. So I think you just have to know your audience and their platform and be there. And be there multidimensional, whether you're going to be, it's going to be a blog post, but the video, I get it a hundred percent. So that takes me to, you work with a lot of fortune 500 companies, a lot of companies that, uh, you know, listen to the sales machine podcast, they're up and coming companies or they're enterprise level companies. What do you think are some of the missteps that even fortune 500 companies make doing social and, you know, for customer acquisition or customer retention? Oh, the biggest mistake that corporations make is talking about small business owners as opposed to talking to small business. They write content, they write social media copy, they do these studies on small business customers, and it's like written for some 10K corporate report, and they want you to like put that on your blog, and it's like, nobody's reading this, nobody's clicking on this, this headline is stupid, like what are you guys doing? You know, so... That's probably the biggest thing that I see in terms of like the social media and content mistakes that I see corporations do. The second thing I think all corporations do this, I think big and small, is that people are so focused on new customer acquisition that they really neglect the most valuable resource in their business. And that is somebody that has already bought from them. Like it is amazing to me how few organizations have customer retention programs. It is crazy. Like it's like, the first sale you make is only going to close 5 to 20% of the time. But existing customers, existing customers close 60 to 65% of the time. So why would you spend all your money? I mean, it's it's like it's like in a divorce. What did they tell you? It's cheaper to keep her. Well, guess what? That's true in business too. It's cheaper to keep a customer than it is to go out and chase a new one. And it is astonishing to me how often People neglect existing customers. Don't even send them, don't even get their contact information. Don't send them content. Don't send them relevant content. Don't just send them coupons to come keep buying from you. Send them something that's going to help them. Amen. What's in it for them? It's like, dude, everybody listens to the same radio station. It's what's in it for me, FL. Like, if you're not serving that, nobody cares. Especially when it comes to the small business market, because the average small business owner is exposed to three to 4,000 marketing images a week and retains three or four of them. That's it. Right on. So define what is a small business to you? A small business to me is anybody under 10 million, under 50 employees. That's small business to me. Most of my people, they're under a million. I mean, only 6 million, only 6% of all the small businesses in the world jump over a million in revenue. So 94% are under a million in revenue. Yeah, and it's a huge market in actuality. Huge. But everybody wants to chase the people a million to 10 million. That's who they want to chase. But the pizza shop in your neighborhood is making $600,000, $700,000 a year. The dentist down the street from you, that guy's making 600000 a year. You might want to pay attention to those people. Because they got employees, they're making money. They're not over a million, but they're not, they can pay all their bills, you know. But it's amazing to me how people want to focus, like, like this this magic million dollars is like the, the thing people want to chase. I'm like, you know, you do a lot better. I mean, there's 15 million small businesses just in the U.S. Yeah. Only 6% of them are over a million dollars. So let's figure out how to chase the smaller ones and grow them into million dollar ones. 
Exactly. And speaking to that, what do you think the biggest challenges that those small businesses are facing right now? What can they do to scale? Well, I think that if you don't have at least three revenue streams in your business, it's going to be very difficult. So the first thing you need to do is generate a different, different streams of income. If you're a coach, create an online course. If you are a successful business owner, perhaps you need to look at, you know, acquiring another business that's complementary to your business. I mean, you've got to look at how can you generate other revenue streams in your business. And then once you get there, you have to turn your business into a turnkey operation. You have to build a business that runs without you. Because if you don't, you'll never stop having to run it. You're never going to be able to take a laptop for vacation. You are always going to be a slave to your business. And that is just not that's not what you deserve, and that's not what your goal should be. So you've got to fix the revenue first, then you've got to fix the operations and work yourself out of a job. Those are the two biggest things I think anyone wants to do if they want to scale their business. I agree. You know, and that's, that's why I created the sales machine. It's a software performance management system because, you know, I've managed literally tens of thousands of people and even a sales force of more than 3,000, and I got to tell you, until I automated, I was dropping the ball all the time. No matter how many leaders, it's just, you know, feeding the machine, the logistics, the products, it's just a challenge. So I find that automation, as long as it's driving performance, is golden. I love being able to set and forget. Right? <laughs> the only way you can do that is if you have performance management systems, right? So the next thing I want to talk about is because there's a million marketing agencies out there. There's a, more, a million people who want to get rich quick and sell you snake oil, whether it's through courses, coaching, uh, marketing. What do you think is a common mistake that small businesses make in marketing or hiring people? Well, I think you need to hold agencies accountable to results. I think the biggest thing people do is they hire an agency and don't give them any goals. They let the agency tell them the goals. It's like, ah, uh, no, you need to understand what your top, top two or three goals are. Is it followers? Is it email list building? Is it sales conversions? What number, what percentage, what percentage, right? You know, so you've got to have some real, and I would say, I don't think people check people's references enough, but it's like, you can't hire a social media team and then be like, go make my social media graphics. Okay, well, what is the point of that? Is it because you're trying to drive ticket sales to this? Or are you trying to drive new coaching leads? Like, and by how many? By 90, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days? Like, what? what is the goal? Like, I think that's the biggest challenge people have with agencies. When it comes to hiring, you know, business coaches or whatever, if these people's only business is coaching, run, don't walk away from them. I mean, like you have to hire somebody who's actually been where you're trying to go, not somebody who's just one step ahead of you. And that's what has happened. And unfortunately, the pandemic has just just made it so easy for people who are good salespeople to get clients and have no idea how to help them. I can't tell you how many times people have coach signed up to coach in one of my programs after having paid some num num, you know, 10, 20, $30,000 in a program who tried to sign them to a three-year contract. You know what I mean? It's like, wait a minute. If I can't help you in six to 12 months, you run away from me. Right. Cause it's like transformation does not take three years. Like that's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. But 
you need to make sure that anybody that you're coaching with has a track record you could go check. Has something, if you Google them, you can see when their company was honored, how well they ran their company, what other honors and things they've done. How many interviews have they done on other people's podcasts, other stuff like you need evidence, you need social proof that they actually can help you. And if you can't find that, run, don't walk. Like I did a podcast on my podcast, the Small Biz Chat podcast a few years ago about beware of new business Barbie. She's dangerous. New business she doesn't know Barbie. what she's doing. That's yeah. right. But she's pretty. She has a wonderful lifestyle. She looks like she's got the life you want. Meanwhile, she rented those clothes and that plane and that car that she took those pictures in front of. You don't really know anything about new business Barbie, but she's shiny. She's new. And she makes you believe that you can coach with her. That's right. You need the small business lady, ladies and gentlemen. You guys heard it here first. Or if you probably didn't hear it here first, you've heard it in one of her 5,000 articles or on her podcast. So, you know, I, I've been approached, you know, I've, I've ran a small business for 30 years and you, you talk about you hitting 10 million and I've had those wins, but along the way, I've, I've had ups and downs as well. 30 years in business. Earlier, we talked about there's a lot of blood, sweat and tears, you know? I mean, I used to stay in, in a warehouse when I built my first sales team and and a lot of my team didn't even know it because I was trying to save money to run ads, to recruit more people, to buy chairs for the reception area, step-by-step, little-by-little, every day, every day, every day. I would go out in the field with my people. I would do whatever it took to be successful. And most people want to get rich quick or they want to do things that are attainable today but not sustainable tomorrow, right? Right. And um, so they built a house out of bamboo rather than out of concrete. And then they they wonder why it falls apart during COVID and or during different circumstances. People have to be resourceful. For me, the number one resource in the world is my resourcefulness, bottom line. So, but for you right now and what's happening in the world, what do you think is the number one thing that can make the biggest difference in the shortest amount of time that's sustainable and scalable for small businesses in 2024? I think focusing on a sales system, right? Really building strong sales funnels that are tested. If they don't work, rewrite them, redo them, right? You know, just really building your sales process, defining your sales process, refining your sales process is the most valuable thing you can do in your business like bar none you ain't got sales it's like a heart with no blood to pump it does not make sense it's not gonna work so you have to focus on your sales getting salespeople, training your salespeople, making your salespeople have the right tool making sure you're using automation to follow up get those leads and then shake them down to the middle of the funnel and get them to the bottom of the funnel and then don't just make a sale make a friend right Turn those people into advocates for your business by loving on them, keeping them, calling them. I can't tell you how many times people get excited because I call them on the phone. This is actually Melinda Emerson calling you. I just wanted to make sure, are we killing it for you? Are we giving you what you need? And those things are so incredibly important. 
And so that's where I hang my hat. That's where I, if there is anything you can do for your business in 2024 is beef up your sales, beef up your sales machine, get you another salesperson, get you some sales automation software, make sure that you have a really good referral system going in your business. Because by the way, guys, warm referrals close 60% of the time. So you need to make sure that your sales operations is working. Because if you do, you're going to always have a business if your sales systems. Well, you know, I have total respect for you, Melinda, and what you've done, what you've created, and who you're helping, the way you help them, and how you really use the common denominator of keeping it simple, right? Test, test, test. And if it's not working, do something differently. Test, test, test. Not working, do something differently. I know you have an event coming up January 16th. It's going to be huge. I'm going to jump on, especially if you can do it virtually because, you know, uh, you talk about getting up early and, and making space. I definitely did that today because I'm in the Philippines. So I was up at 4.50 in the morning to make sure that I got on this podcast with you. It, it means a lot to me. And I'm grateful that you're here because the value that you've given today, I wrote a, a small book called The Ultimate Success Formula for Business Owners. And it starts with clarity, focus, and strategy. That's it, right? And it's simple. What I've used in my career in alignment with you, the number one question I always ask them is, what's your value proposition? Like, what value do you add for your customer? That's first and foremost. And then how are you unlike everybody else, right? So I know you teach this in your boot camp. And I know you've written about this thousands of times. Tell us about your event coming up. How do people find you, work with you, or implement your strategies? Well, the best way to look for me and look for information about my event is to go to smallbizladyuniversity.com, right? And that's smallbizladyuniversity.com. Now, let me tell you about my event. It's a one-day virtual startup boot camp. So this event is for startup entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs that are ready to expand. Because not only are we going to talk about all the things you got to know before you got to start a business, how to get your funding together, how to figure out how much money you even need. We're also going to be talking about e-commerce and AI. And we're going to talk about how to buy an existing business. Now, a lot of people think to themselves, oh, I'm going to grow. But you get to the point where you just can't grow. You got to buy somebody else who's got some customers already. And so I'm going to have expert Barry Maltz come in and really talk about how to buy an existing business. And I think it is invaluable information for everyone because I think people think there's only one way to go into business. And honey, there's plenty of ways. But we're going to be talking about online sales, e-commerce, AI, funding, all the secrets you no one's going to tell you. And we're going to be talking about how to buy an existing business. So if you guys are interested in that, if you guys follow me as Small Biz Lady on any social media site, only on TikTok, I'm the Small Biz Lady. We've got some tickets out here right now. You can get into our event for $47 or you can get a VIP ticket for $147. So we want you guys to get in, get this information and there's a special live Q&A at the end of the day if you get a VIP ticket. So we're so hyped about it. But I wanted to do this because January is a great time to be thinking about starting a business or expanding one. So if you're thinking about just getting started or you're thinking about buying another business, there's lots of stuff you need to know. So I want you guys to invite you guys to head over to smallbizladyuniversity.com and sign up for my one-day virtual startup bootcamp, and it's going to be on Tuesday, January 16th 
at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 1 to 5 p.m. So please consider coming to join us. And uh, as always, if you want to reach out to me personally, LinkedIn is the best way to do it. And I'm Melinda Emerson on LinkedIn. Ladies and gentlemen, not just the small business lady, but best-selling author, CEO of Quintessence Group, and, you know, a legend that built two businesses and stood the test of time. If you want to learn more from her, definitely check her out. Find her on LinkedIn. Grateful to you, Melinda. I love talking to real people that are creating real results for real people. Thank you so much for being here today. John, it was my absolute pleasure. I, I consider you a kindred spirit. Well, you know, door to door, I started out door to door and then store to store. And now we're in stores and it's just, you know, it is a grind sometimes, but uh, at the end of the day, you want to stand the test of time. You got to do the grind. I love it. That's a wrap folks. Thanks for joining me today. And if you got value from this episode, do me a favor, like subscribe and refer a friend. And if you want even more value, go to the salesmachine.com. Click on resources and there's tons of resources there to increase profits and drive performance in your business. Right on, right on, come on.